I'm Philippa Tolley and this week Insight looks at road versus rail in Northland. In two months' time, the last log train in Northland will chug its way from Oteria near Kaikohi to the Marusumi Chitmill at Portland, south of Whangarei. Kiwi Rail is mothballing the railway line, saying it's no longer economic, but some are worried about what having even more trucks on the road will bring. From August, Marasumi's logs will go to the chip mill by truck, adding about another 100 log truck trips a week on Northland roads already crowded with the big rigs. Rail advocates say the government is hell-bent on building roads when it should be investing in rail. But how realistic is that? And would a new railway line to Marsden Point really solve the region's truck and traffic woes? On winding Otaika Valley Road, just south of Whangarei, you can feel the ground shake as the log trucks roar past. as one every few minutes. Some locals wear earplugs at night. And residents like Lynn and John Lammas, who live on a sharp bend, live in constant dread. And things will happen here. If somebody be killed, my son, my oldest son, 10 years ago, a man got killed in a truck. Empty truck came from, from the town end. A full truck came from Mangareperi, and they collided right at the corner here. My, bro- my son has to put a cover over the driver. Of course, people are still driving past and looking into the cab. And he was the first one there. In the past month, six log trucks have rolled over in the north, two of them on Otaika Valley Road. And there have been angry scenes at public meetings with calls to get the logs off trucks and onto rail. In Northland, we've got the largest amount of trucks in New Zealand on our roads. Right? All trucks. It's not just logging trucks in the issue. So what's happened in the past is they haven't accommodated that. That's why you're here tonight, because it's all, it's all on the roads. Okay? And it ain't going to get any better like Jim said. Rail union workers say before Whangarei's port moved from the inner harbour to Marsden Point 14 years ago, 70% of the region's freight went by train. In those days, the railway went from Oteria in the north virtually to the port, and it carried up to five log trains a day. But the new port was built without a link to the railway line, and in the meantime, Northland forests have matured. The 2.6 million tonnes of logs cut down last year nearly all found their way to the port on trucks. I'm Lois Williams, and I've been looking into the reasons that rail is no longer the transport option it once was in Northland, and whether it could and should be revived. She starts out from Oteria, the smallest train you've seen. This is the Once upon a time, and not so long ago, Northland had a commuter rail service. The Okaiho Express, immortalised in Peter Cape's 1960s folk song, carried freight and passengers from Oteria to Whangarei, stopping at small settlements all along the way. Until 1967, you could catch the rail car from Whangarei to Auckland. Country kids would catch the train from the family farm to school in Whangarei, and a Dargaville branch line ran up the coast to Donnelly's Crossing. There would have been uh, six or eight stops between Dargaville and Donnelly's where things were delivered off, um, people as well as freight. And there was a big store that I worked at in Kaihu, 
and I used to catch the train to go to that. And that's how they got all their groceries, was on that train. Sue Purdy, now in her 70s, used to catch the train to get to work. I'd, they'd drop me down there in the morning and they'd go to Dargaville and then I'd get back on it again at about oh, 5 o'clock at night and go home. Everybody in those days. Well, our mail used to come on, on the train and you would wait at the station once the train came in and the postmaster got the mail, the bag. You, you waited then for probably 20 minutes while he sorted the mail and then we took our mail home. And that used to be a good um, sort of point where everybody got together and talked and that while they waited for their mail, which was always interesting. Donnelly's was quite a little settlement in those days. There were quite a lot of houses there and mostly built around that railway station. There's puppies in an apple box, tippies in a sack, riding the okai But as cars became more affordable, fewer people were hopping on the train. By 1976, passenger services were closed and only freight trains continued. Last month, Kiwi Rail announced trains would no longer run on the line from Oteria to Kauri, just north of Whangarei. It couldn't get the price it wanted from its only customer left on that line, the Marasumi Woodchip Mill at Portland, south of Whangarei. Kiwi Rail's assets manager, Dave Gordon, says the old wagons used for that contract are past their use-by date and the cost of replacing them proved too high. Oh, if we look at the Marasumi contract, well, they declined to renew the contract... Uh, for that. There are costs associated with fixing those wagons. They're the only types of that wagon we have in the country. So effectively Marasumi was the only customer and they were unwilling to conclude a commercial contract so that's where it ended. Kiwi Rail used the same rationale when it stopped running log trains on the line from Whangarei to Dargaville two years ago. A big storm and slips damaged the line, and Kiwi Rail said it couldn't justify the cost of repairs given the meagre revenue it generated. The trains simply stopped running without fanfare. But the latest announcement that the line north of Kauri will no longer carry trains come August has sparked a public outcry. It may be that Northland has reached peak truck, or that motorists have reached peak tolerance, but a new lobby group, Grow Northland Rail, has sprung up and its spokesperson Jack Craw says it struck a chord with the public. He says Northland has regressed in transport terms and the 300 people who packed a public meeting on the future of rail last month would agree. Everywhere you go, you get support. In my local rugby club, three weeks ago, I had 19 farmers come up to me and say, good on you, I remember when rail used to work here and... and um, and I think we should be putting more on rail. And one farmer said, well, the State Highway 1 was underwater a couple of winters ago, but the rail could still get through, but the road couldn't. So basically, you know, rail isn't just fun to have, it's a strategic asset, and, it's, and we need, Northern needs strategic assets. At the moment, this government seems hell-bent on closing down rail. That's a statement that the Minister of Economic Development, Stephen Joyce, vigorously rejects. We've spent a massive amount on rail, more than any other government has in living memory. It's something like around $4 billion over the period, and the Kiwi Rail turnaround plan, subsequent investments, and commuter rail, a whole range of other things. Uh, and many people actually think that that's a sunk investment. I happen to think it's a worthwhile investment for, for maintaining a network and continuing to invest in the opportunity for rail in the future. But many people have the other view and say, well, you're spending too much. Jack Craw, who's also the chairman of the Green Party in Whangarei, says the one investment that the government seems loath to make in Northland is a rail link to the port. 
Not only would that get a lot of trucks off the roads, he says, it would allow the port to come into its own in time as a container port, taking some of the pressure off the port of Auckland as it struggles with opposition to its expansion plans. But there's no mention of a rail link to Marsden Point in Northland's Economic Action Plan, which was launched with some ceremony earlier this year. One of the things that stimulated me was I had a look at the Taitokarau Economic Development Strategy, and it's full of roads, roads, roads. It mentions roads about 48 times. doesn't mention rail once, not once in the document. Uh, the strategy is a long-term, long-to-medium-term uh, development strategy for the economy of Northland, and it refers to nothing but roads. The section on, uh, on horticulture mentions roads, the section on forestry mentions roads, and the section on tourism mentions virtually nothing but roads. So it's really just a roading strategy. Despite the furore over trucks and growing calls for more and better rail in the north, the region's civic leaders are not convinced. The Northland Regional Council is a part owner of Northport, and as recently as 2007, it was lobbying the then Labour government to invest in a rail link, calling it a key component in realising the region's economic potential. It even sank $10 million into buying up farms for a rail corridor from the main trunk line at Oakley to Marsden Point, and the route was formally designated. But these days, the council strongly backs the government's long-term plan to extend the Auckland motorway north all the way to Whangarei. The council chair, Bill Shepherd, says there's good reason for that. Well, the, the challenge for Northland at the moment is that there's um, under 2% of Northland's export um, uh, freight goes by rail. Uh, so that means the other 98-plus percent of it is going by road. So that's why, in the term of the current councils, we've put a lot of emphasis on trying to get the roading infrastructure dealt to. Uh, there may well be a future for rail at some point in time, but at the moment, if we were to put a whole lot of effort into promoting rail, as I understand it, the, the numbers are quite mind-boggling, and not only to put a link in between Oakley and the port, but to upgrade all the bridges and tunnels between um, Northland and Auckland. Grow Northland Rail says it's a case of catch-22. It says the reason only 2% of Northland freight goes by rail is that the network is hopelessly outdated. It can't take containers, bridges, culverts and wagons are badly in need of renewal, and trains can only travel safely if they run at a snail's pace. Upgrade the line, the rail advocates argue, and the freight will come. But foresters say it's not that simple. Neil Gierkins, who heads the forestry company Northland Forest Managers, says using rail in its present form would involve costly double handling. Uh, one of the key issues is a significant amount of the forest being harvested lies between Kaikaui, Whangarei and Dargaville, and the rail head or the rail location is just south of Kaikoui at Oturia. So the amount of forest that would logically be transported to the railhead is quite small. Even if there's a forest near the railhead, um, which could logically head there, the rail doesn't go into the forest itself. So to get the logs onto rail, the first thing you have to do is put them onto a log truck and drive them out of the forest into the rail yard. Uh, then you have to pick them back up uh, off the log truck and put them onto the rail. If the rail does not go there, doesn't go to the port, so you'd have to bring them into Whangarei City, then you'd have to unload them again, put them onto another log truck and then drive the remaining 30-odd kilometres down to the port. Neil Gherkin says even if the railway went all the way to the port, 
trucking the logs would still be more economic because Northland forests are scattered far and wide. To put, the, I guess, the scale of the industry to perspective, there's something like 170, 180,000 hectares of forest in Northland. Um, well, I guess I'm talking really North Auckland up to Cape Reinga. Um In the central North Island, the um, Kaingaroa Forest, the largest man-made forest in New Zealand and about the southern hemisphere, is about the same size, around 180-odd thousand, give or take a bit. So we've got the equivalent, but we've got it spread in a, in a whole pile of individual... Um, forest blocks, um, whereas there they've got one solid lump of forest that, that rolls across the landscape. If we had the same um, type of forest cover here in Northland, if it was all one big lump, then the whole picture would probably change a bit just because of the scale being concentrated. And Kiwi Rail's Dave Gordon says the company can't do business on the basis of build it and they will come. Rail Freight nationally makes a modest profit, but it doesn't cover the cost of its infrastructure. And the government's contribution of about $200 million a year has to be stretched across the country's entire rail network. Mr Gordon says making the line from Aotearoa to Auckland truly fit for modern-day purposes and building a line to Northport would cost about $900 million. So, keeping the calculator going, if you then say, oh, Northport is, becomes a premier North Island export port, so it's a deep water port and a whole lot of stuff goes through it, the issue that you're then confronted with is that how much of that material or export product or imports, imports to be distributed has to make its way through the Auckland Isthmus. Now, at the moment, through Auckland, there is no contiguous freight route which will take you from Pukekohe directly through to Whangarei. You have to come into Newmarket, almost hang a 90-degree turn and head back up and that basically means you'd be running all the freights through the guts of the uh, commuter service within, within Auckland. So if, you, if you're looking at Northport as being the major export port there, and it's sort of a counterweight to Tauranga or something like that, and I've not, I've not done a serious exercise on this, but you're looking somewhere between 2 to $3 billion dollars. The costs may be eye-watering, but the Northland MP Winston Peters says the government owes rail big time. He says if the government had not sold rail when it did in 1993, the regular investment that should have been made in it over the years would by now be paying off. Here's his take on rail's recent history. 1992, the Booz Report into rail said it's been turned around, it is making $26 million this year, and by 93-94 it will make $100 million rising. So $26 million going to $100 million and rising. And right then, after that Booz Allen report, Trey Rishwhite got themselves made the financial advisors in October 92 of New Zealand Rail, and April the next year jumped across the table with Wisconsin Central Railroad and said, we want to buy out New Zealand Rail. And as a consequence, it didn't go to tender. The national government on the 20th of July 1993 sold it for the appalling low price of $328 million. And within three weeks of the international market finding out about the steel, the Fay Rishwhite and Wisconsin Railroad shares went up a massive 182 million. Then they recapitalized it, gouged it. As they recapitalized it, the shares went to well over nine dollars a share. And after their profit gouged it and recapitalized, the shares dropped to 28 cents. It was broke, and the Clark Labor government had to bail it out. Uh, sadly, they paid far too much for their shares. They paid about 72 for it when they could have got it for 28 cents when it was rock bottom. 
Mr Peters says he'll be making the state of rail an election issue in the north and he's likely to find willing listeners because for a number of reasons people are fed up with trucks. It's so scary when you, in the morning when you come out, you park your car here, there are two, three trucks coming down and you have to watch them all the time. It's just, you know, it's just crazy. John and Lynn Lammas live on Otaika Valley Road just south of Whangarei. Their four hectare lifestyle properties are picture. But it's located between two of the many bends in the narrow road and their hopes of a peaceful retirement have faded. 300 trucks a day speed past their home from the early hours of the morning till well after dark, and at least four log trucks have rolled on their verge above the property two in the past month. John Lammas says the drivers are often on their cell phones and they're going too fast for the sharp corners. But if they come 100 k's an hour or 80 k's an hour from town and end up to the road... Then they need the engine brake to, to get through the corner. And that's what it's all about. That's, rat, that's rattling what I'm talking about here. That's not that bad. That's, that's quite normal, that one. But some of them are real worse. The Lammas property values have slumped, like others in Otaika Valley Road, since the log trucks started to multiply about three years ago. Their oldest son can't forget the day he covered the face of a truck driver killed when he rolled his rig just outside their house. Lynn Lammas' pet grooming business has lost clients because they're afraid to turn right into her driveway. The couple are nervous about mowing their verge, knowing it's a rollover black spot. And like many of their neighbours, they find it hard to get a good night's sleep. With the windows closed, we still, you can't sleep. And it's the rattling of the trucks, you know, so... This engine brakes, you know, they're coming, they're coming empty from town. And before they enter the S-bands, they, they put the engine brakes on, so that, is, that noise is coming through. And we have to cope up with 300 trucks a day, and that's not fair. It's not just people like the Lammers who are feeling anxious about the trucks. Pauline Edmonds from Hikurangi used to drive log trucks herself in the Kaingaroa forest. These days she drives a school bus, and she's dismayed at what she sees daily on Northland roads. It can be quite... Scary, very scary for a bus driver like myself because um, the speeds that I see, it's horrendous. It's unbelievable the speed that most of those trucks travel at. Not just the locking trucks, the traffic in, in, you know, the whole lot, the whole thing. People are speeding on cars to overtake trucks. Then, like this morning, the three lane, just before I get to turn off it to Hikurangi, there was a logging truck. I saw him, he was right behind me. So I pulled right over to the left to, and he came out. He just pulled straight out because he was going so fast. And Sue Purdy, once a rural rail commuter on the Dargaville line, says she feels she's taking her life in her hands every time she gets into her car because of trucks. I hate them. About six weeks ago, we bought a new car and we decided to take it for a run down. We hadn't been down country to see my family and friends and that. So we went down as far as a Podaki and then back up. And the logging trucks are frightening on the road. Mind you, round here, I think they're worse than anywhere. We saw more here. We have a daughter that's a, that's a district nurse, and she they change runs every now and then. And when she has to do that Marsden Point run, she is a nervous wreck by the time she's finished that. A couple of times she said she's pulled off the road and just cried because it's so horrific.
with the, with the logging trucks. But how rational is the fear of big trucks? None of the recent rollovers involved other vehicles. There have been a couple of fatal truck crashes in the past six months, but both were caused by car drivers. For a log truck driver's perspective, I caught a ride with Warren Going, who drives for one of the North's biggest freight companies, Seminoff Transport. So here we are at the beginning of Otaika Road, the notorious Otaika Road, in a big logging truck with a trailer with driver Warren Going. You've driven this road a lot, Warren? Yeah, I have. Uh, been doing it four years, so been down here hundreds of times. What do you think of the road? Well, it's not to be taken lightly. You've certainly got to concentrate and focus. There's yeah. not a lot of margin for error. It's not the most narrow road we come across, but it certainly has a lot of curves. So this first part's kind of easy, and then as we go down through the cutting through the bush, it sort of uh, starts from there really. Yeah. It uh, has a has a steep uh, drop there at the start, and then uh, goes into a series of uh, cambered corners, and it's uh, pretty much like that right through to the highway. So, uh, more especially down here in poor conditions, you've got to be careful. The road is wet. You can, in a truck like this, you can feel the truck moving if you're, if you're going um, too quickly. And so, always busy this road. It's always busy. You've never had an accident on it? No. What's no. your secret? Um, secret is to use caution, stay on your side of the road, but the right speed for the for the corners. Just just simple things like that. Never had anything close to an incident down here at all. But uh, as we know it's, um, it's known to have caught a few people out over the years. The Better Transport Forum, an Auckland based lobby group, says the public is right to be concerned about growing truck numbers. A spokesman, John Reeves, says in 2010, 15% of fatal accidents were caused by trucks. By 2014, that had grown to 23%. And then there's the question of the damage they do to the roads and who pays for it. What we do know is that those heavy trucks, the uh, HPMVs, according to data, they cause around about 10,000 times the amount of damage to roads to an average car. So they do have quite a, a large part in the making of the damage on the roads. From other MOT data I've got is that um, heavy vehicles, that, that's above 3.5 tonnes under the MOT's data, um, pay basically 23% of the costs of state highways through their road user charges they collect. So the heavy vehicles are causing most of the damage on, on our network and yet only are contributing 23% in road user charges. So it's clearly there's a subsidy coming from other motorists and taxpayers and ratepayers. That's also a claim made by the rail advocates, and it's a commonly heard complaint in the north where truck damage to roads is all too obvious. And the Automobile Association says car owners have been paying more than their fair share of roading costs since the government stopped dipping into the petrol tax for its general coffers a few years ago. But the Transport Agency's Northland Director Ernst Zollner says that's incorrect. 
The way we see it, road user charges in New Zealand takes account of the impact of trucks. So a truck would pay a lot more per kilometre than, say, a light vehicle. So we have a really sophisticated system in New Zealand that's sort of envied all over the world for allocating the damage, the cost of damage caused um, equally to everyone and fairly. So, yes, we're very confident that trucks pay their way. For the same distance travelled, a truck, for example, can pay up to eight to ten times more than a light vehicle would, and that's based on, obviously, their weight, and the heavier they are, that goes up sort of exponentially. So very sophisticated modelling has been done over the years to make sure that everyone pays uh, in terms of the impact that they cause. The Better Transport Forum is also challenging the government's plan to extend the Auckland motorway from Puhoi to Walkworth at a cost of about a billion dollars. Whangarei councils and the business community see the project as the first step towards the holy grail of a four-lane highway all the way to Whangarei, opening the way for easy travel and economic development. But John Reeves says no one's factoring in the social costs of road compared to rail, or the environmental costs, such as the 300 kauri trees that'll have to be felled or topped for the 20-kilometre stretch to walk with. There's two sides to this. When you look at just the money side, you'll say, look, let's go by truck, it's cheaper. When you look at the other factors, externalities like safety in the community, suddenly rail becomes in its own. You've got huge amounts of uh, school children on roads in Northland, uh, often country roads, that are going to be walking next to those country roads with large logging trucks going, going passing by. When you look at the cost, ACC say that one death caused uh, on the road is a cost around about $3.9 million to New Zealand. Suddenly, putting, putting things onto rail starts to look quite attractive indeed. I notice in 2010, by data from, AT, uh, from the MOT, is that trucks basically accounted for about $400 million worth of the road accidents in that year. Uh, so basically, just in that year alone, trucks made up for one in five of all the accidents uh, and uh, the costs associated. So investing a small amount in rail will save a lot in, in other external costs, hospital costs, costs of the police and fire and ambulances attending, and of course the, the grieving families. The debate over the future of rail in Northland is set to rage on into next year's election campaign. Winston Peters says he'll make sure of that. But Stephen Joyce says central and local government are in agreement that right now the money is better spent on better roads. If you're talking about the freight task, it is important to talk to the businesses that make the decisions uh, and are actually shifting the freight around. Because the risk is that you say, OK, well, we'll just take the advice from people at a particular public meeting. And then you make that investment and then the companies make no change because they have other reasons for using a road network and then you've spent a whole lot of extra money on another a transport mode and it doesn't make any difference. Uh, I think that's you know, something you've always got to be aware of because we don't have limitless money and actually we want to spend it the most effectively we can for every region in the country. The Transport Agency says it'll begin seeking public feedback by mid-year on the proposal for a new road of national significance, a four-lane highway from Auckland to Whangarei. I'm Lois Williams and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch, it'd be great to hear from you. Our email is insight at radionz.co.nz or post a tweet. Our handle is at insightrnz. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Teresa Cowie and Philippa Tolley with technical production by William Saunders. <laughs> 